Life Audio. Hey, Dr. Bill Sinyard here with Gospel Rant Podcast, particularly you who have lived your Christian walk feeling unlovable, unsuitable for Jesus in heaven, like you failed him, you've been a disappointment to him, right? It's for those who are in the arms of Jesus right now, because if you're a Christian, you are, but you're still feeling, oh, hesitant, unlovely, the odd duck out, someone who is just waiting for that next shoe to drop, waiting for him to bring up that, you know, dark secret, the addiction, that old ugly that you just can't clean away. So it's great news today. And hopefully you have been following the last five shows of this very important movement four of the Song of Songs. There was the shocking betrothal of the great king and this honestly unworthy, emotionally shredded bride with a secret shame. Then the great marriage procession, likely following two aborted processions, the original runaway bride. Then the public proclamation of the king's love for her in front of his friends and family and dignitaries. And of course, the consummation, the Yehud, the event that she has been terrified of from the very beginning. And why? Because there, her dark private secrets are going to become public. And there's going to be dire consequences. Well, she's been hoping, I guess, that they would just go away. She's done things she's not proud of. Bad things have been done to her, perhaps, that have left her diminished, insignificant, ashamed, And she knows that it disqualifies her from being a suitable wife for this king. Others have told her so. She belongs back in the vineyard. You know what I mean? And she's right. Except for this king. And the love of this king, which does its best work with unsuitable brides, unworthy brides, spiritual, emotional vineyard keepers. So in their consummation, his reputation against what she feared is not soiled by her or her uglies. Her reputation is raised up by his glory. You know, we've never seen anything like it. And here's what I mean. In his arms, she becomes the queen. Really. And and we're going to see more of that beginning the next podcast when we look at Movement 6. You're going to be shocked at uh, who this lady has been become based upon, caused by the love of the king. And listen, all of this, I've just described salvation. I just gave a gospel Uh, your redemption story, right? If I could be so personal. And isn't it so hard to remember in the midst of all of our failures and guilt and shames and falling short of, you know, expectations, thinking we've disappointed Jesus, our critical inner voice is just not going to let us forget how unsuited we are for this relationship with Jesus. He deserves someone better, someone more righteous, more pure, more worthy, more faithful. And yet, here we are. And he adores us, you and me, with all of the love in the universe. And that's kind of the conflict. That's the rub, right? All right. We're going to look at it again with a different lens. And hopefully this show brings it all together, movement for me. Because I'm going to be reading from my very popular novella, the screenplay of the Song of Songs. So just sit back. No ancient Hebrew poetry now. It's just plain old English. Sit back and enjoy. We're going to get going after a word from our sponsor. We'll see you in a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. 
I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on The Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Movement four from my novella. That's chapter five, verse two, to chapter six, verse ten. Wedding pictures. As she lies there, surrounded by the pomp and splendor of the king's garden, entwined with both the fragrant aromas as well as the king's strong arms, she remembers. And as she remembers, the past comes to her in vignettes, postcards, bits and pieces of that spectacular day. She muses, was it yesterday or years ago? It is still very dreamlike. Her mind transports her back. The winter rains were over. Spring had finally erupted in the land in so many ways. The almond trees were blossoming across the Mount of Olives ridge. New life had burst out like green carpets on the desert floor. She remembered the sight. As they crested the eastern slope of the mount, they could see Jerusalem, the great walled city, just across the Kidron Valley. She could still hear the trumpets blaring, preparing the way of the great king and his wedding entourage. This was a public day of great celebration. No one worked, not on this day. The whole land rejoiced. She could still hear the cries from the masses of people who lined the road that led to the Golden Gate. There it is! The wedding procession is finally here. We have been waiting for this hour for so long. Unbelievable. Look, in all our days, we've seen nothing like this. See it? Coming up over the Mount of Olives from the Wilderness Road, it seems to me to be more godlike than human. Surely this is what the day of the Lord will look like. The entourage is so huge that you could see the dust clouds for miles. It reminds me of Yahweh himself leading the exodus with columns of smoke. This is so glorious. And even from here, I can smell the kingly array of the very best of fine imported incenses and spices. No doubt there is not a single fine spice missing. No expense has been spared for this amazing day. Others cried out, look, can't you see? It's not Yahweh, but the marriage entourage of the great lover king. What a procession. It's led by 60 of the finest warriors who are prepared for any enemy. Nobody will mess with this great king on this glorious day. But as glorious as everything else was, it was the royal wedding carriage that got the most praise. Look, 
There's the wedding carriage. Fantastic. No question that it is the finest workmanship we've ever seen. The king's carpenter must have picked the finest of wood from Lebanon. Nothing was too good for his wedding. It hurts our eyes to even look at. It's alive with the sun reflecting off the many jewels and precious metals that adorn its exterior. I hear that inside is even more spectacular. The king hired the finest craftsman in the land to design the upholstery. Well, then as the entourage went through the Golden Gate and entered the city, the entire population of Jerusalem cried out in unison, Come out, daughters of Zion, come and see the manifested glory of the king. Come and see his glory that crowns him on this his wedding day. This is the day that his heart has reached the very pinnacle of joy. Ah, Was it a dream? Her feelings about the day, they were very confused then and still today. I mean, no doubt every Jewess dreamed of being the one to sit in that palanquin next to the great king. Every Jewish girl that day was jealous of her, the chosen bride. To everyone's surprise, it wasn't any other Jewess. It was her. Her heart was racing again, back and forth from the swimming image of the day to the present reality of lying there with the king in his luxurious garden. Oh, it was amazing. She remembered not believing that it was really her in the carriage. How could this be real? The king made a mistake. He picked the wrong girl. He wasted all of this pomp and glory on her. She was not a queen. Just look at her. This honor was meant for someone else. Oh, heart, what am I going to do now? Then like a dagger in her soul, still sharp, she remembered the deep fear of that day. Every girl dreams of her own wedding. For virgins, this would, of course, be a day of great memories. They had worked hard at guarding their glory, their garden. They were locked doors, wells of life unspoiled. Every virgin bride would be longing for that single hour after the processions, the days of partying, the ceremonies, singing and dancing, toast and covenants. The groom would take his new bride to the chuppah surrounded by officials and witnesses, and there consummate the union. There was an ancient custom. The officials would then inspect the sheet of the wedding bed to detect the presence of blood. It was not 100% reliable, of course, but they looked for the telltale sign of the first rupturing of the virgin's hymen. As pagan as it might appear, They would hold up the bloody sheet and give a loud public blessing upon the union. That's the moment of the highest community rejoicing. The couple would then be free from rumor and the dowry would remain intact. But she was no virgin. (sighs) For her, that day was not a day of joy, but fear. As she sat in the gloriously appointed wedding carriage, all she could think about as they approached the king's home was the shame that would come to the king's name and her family. What an event it was. What splendor. The wedding guests included important people from around the world. There was unbelievable glory. Yet there was no way that she could enjoy the moment. For her, the days drudged forward so slowly. Fear has a way of turning time into slow motion. Every toast Every dance, every glance to her was just another moment of shame. She remembered finally the dreaded final covenant, the 
Final toast. She knew what was next. Instead of being filled with unspeakable joy, she could only bow her head. She tried hard for his sake to put on a believable smile. Then the king and his forlorn bride were swept away to the huge tabernacle set up in the middle of the royal courtyard. One of the officials, probably a priest by his appearance, uttered a prayer over the couple and as his young assistant held open the tent flaps. All the other witnesses, each men of some renown in the community, bowed to the royal couple and took their places for the duration. As they entered, the trumpets were silenced, the chanters stopped, the party would not resume until the union was confirmed. It was as if the whole world paused. All of humanity stopped breathing. Well, I'm not sure if that's a good place to stop for a break from our sponsors or not, but we're going to do it anyway. We will be right back. Oh, the queen wished even now that she could go back to that time in order to see the inside of the chuppah again. And no doubt it was the most spectacular of all chuppahs. The royal craftsman had spent months on the appointments. The spices and aroma were priceless and from mysterious faraway kingdoms. The new queen was quite distracted, consumed by fears. She was frozen. Well, she chuckled now as she remembered the king. He so wanted this to be a night of glory for her. She had never seen him like this. He was like a lovesick young man. The great king to whom whole armies reported was beside himself, just stumbling over his words, changing images, speaking in a faltering voice. She couldn't believe it was him, the glorious king himself. He said, Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes partially hidden behind your veil are like gentle doves, pure, gentle, alive. Your dark wavy hair is as full and silky as the finest of cashmere. The candlelight flickered across the sides of the tent. The couple was kneeling awkwardly facing each other. The queen finally raised her eyes to look upon her husband. His voice embarrassingly cracked. He nervously continued, uh, I, I, I could gaze upon your face all day. Your smile is perfect. Your lips thin, provocative. Your glorious natural beauty is powerfully accentuated by the colors of your makeup. You're absolutely elegant and majestic. Oh, your sensual neck is rightly adorned with layers of priceless jewels. Absolutely appropriate. Only for a queen of your high stature. That's it. You're a great tower. An impenetrable fortress tower. Adorned with the shields of warriors who failed to conquer it. Oh, your breasts. Your breasts are perfect too. Delicate like, like two baby fawns grazing among the lilies. Perfect twins. All day and all night, it's my heart's desire to ascend the glorious perfumed hills. Oh, the delicate smells of myrrh and incense that surround your breast. I never want to stop. His voice even accelerated. He was nervous. The great lover king, uncomfortable in her presence. How could this be? Oh, how much she liked it. Uh, all beautiful you are, my darling. There's no flaw in you. Please don't pull away. Don't resist. Come to me from the places where you have hidden for so long. Descend from those cold crags of isolation. Those are dangerous places. They devour your soul. Don't you see? 
His voice went up, making a point. With a mere glance of your eyes, you now hold my heart in your hands. He paused, recapturing his thoughts. The king was struggling for the right words, for none were appropriate to describe his love, his joy, his feelings at this moment. Words sounded so patent, so cheap. Nothing was left to do other than to make up a word in her honor. You have, um, you have hard-hearted me, my closest of friends, my queen bride. I can't find the right words to describe your love. It's beyond description. It's better than the best of wines. Your perfume is more wonderful than the most expensive imported spice. Your kisses are sweet as honey, my beloved, like milk and honey. The perfume that adorns your clothes reminds me of a spring in Lebanon. That's it. His face lit up. This was what he wanted to say. You are a fantastic garden, wild, wonderful, untouched, unspoiled. My best friend, my beloved queen, you are an untapped spring of life-giving water, a sealed, unspoiled fountain, ready to be drunk. Well, at those last words, the queen's heart sank. For a moment, she had truly become caught up in the rapture of the event of the day. She was beginning to enjoy his nervous foreplay. She was about to let the walls down. However, these words, unbeknownst to the king, were daggers. He had exposed her shame again. Doesn't he get it, she thought. Doesn't he know? I am no unspoiled fountain. What will become of me, my family, the king, Oh, Yahweh, how has it come to this? I've messed it up again. But this time it's going to be costly. She could hear one of the officials clear his throat outside the chuppah. Yahweh, can't you hear? The king had not stopped. Unaware of the battle over her heart, he continued, and, and what a magnificent garden you are, not lacking any choice fruit, an abundant orchard of the best pomegranates. Oh, yes, and henna, and nard, um, a nard, and saffron. Well, as distraught as she was, she still couldn't help but smile at, at the king's boy-like stutter. How adorable, how cute. He seemed to be aware of her noticeable discomfort, but he pressed on. He was a man with a glorious mission. He could not stop. Now his voice rose to a crescendo. Uh, calamus and cinnamon, yes, every kind of incense tree, myrrh and aloes, all of the finest imported spices. You are the most spectacular of all gardens ever seen. All I can think about is the unsealing of your unspoiled well. You are an abundant stream, a continuous life-giving stream for me to drink from freely. He stopped. He was done. His forehead was covered with perspiration. His eyes were gentle and longing like a, like a stag gazing upon a doe. He awkwardly waited. He waited for her response. Well, this was the moment that she had long dreaded. Adrenaline was wreaking havoc with her pulse. Her heart was racing. She knew what she had to do. She took a deep breath, opened her mouth. But what she said surprised even her. At this very moment, her heart took over. 
the power of her heart betrayed her reason. She had been conspiring with her reason to come up with excuses, explanations, plan Bs. She had decided maybe to come clean or to ask for mercy for her family and herself. But her heart, her heart overrode all of that. Her heart blurted out, yes, absolutely, yes. Awake, north wind, and come, south wind. Blow on me, on my garden. Stir up the provocative smells of my perfumed body so that my lover's desire is even further heightened. Come, my lover, come to me, your garden. Freely eat, freely drink, taste the choice fruits, and be fully satisfied. Hmm. What happened next was perhaps the greatest moment of pure love that has ever been in any place at any time. She had never imagined that love could be so wonderful, intimate, vulnerable, and naked. This was like nothing she had ever experienced. They were not words. All she could say in the powerful wake of the torrent of this love was that her fears were whisked away. For a moment, she was free, whole, enraptured. Is this what the afterlife will feel like, she thought? Is this paradise? Is this shalom? Her fears didn't erupt again until some time later. The king rose from the bed, stood tall over her, wrapped himself in a robe, emblazoned with the heavenlies, and spoke in a voice that was confident and bold, so different than the voice she had heard earlier. Her heart stopped. Had he seen her shame? Had he seen her unrighteousness? Had he noticed the obvious absence of blood on the marriage sheet? All that remained was her a used woman of shame. She had never come clean. She was going to tell him the whole thing, to spill her guts and ask for mercy for her and her family. But in the rapture of the event, she had missed the opportunity. She had messed up again. She knew exactly what to expect. You'd better believe that she had researched this. According to the law, the correct thing for him to do would be to publicly charge her with unrighteousness. She had committed a fraud, an act of shame against a righteous man, the righteous king. He would publicly wash his hand of all her uncleanness and cast her out of the chuppah. The witnesses would take bright lamps, fully inspect the sheet. They, too, would quickly pass judgment, of course. She would then be publicly marked, maybe even stoned, along with her family. At best, she would be sent home naked and disgraced. The dowry disallowed her family shamed forever. At least that was what she thought would happen. But to her stunned, breathless amazement, the king looked at her and proclaimed with a loud voice for all to unmistakably hear, I have come to you, my most spectacular garden, my best of friend, my beloved queen. I am fully and completely satisfied by you, my garden, my beloved. I have abundantly gathered my myrrh and incense to my heart's content. I am not at all disappointed. I have freely dined at the most amazing banquet. I have devoured my honeycomb, my honey. I have freely drunk my wine and have been fully satiated with my milk. I am not at all disappointed. You fully satisfy all of my greatest desires." Laughter and rejoicing broke out all around the tent. Almost in unison, the witnesses cried out for all in the land to hear, We have witnessed and totally approve of this union. It's good. Eat freely, lovers. Be filled. Trumpets, shofars, and wonderful music quickly filled the spring night air. The party began in earnest now. The land and its people rejoiced along with their king and their new, very surprised queen. She wondered even now why she never looked down at the sheet. 
Maybe there was blood there. I mean, how can you explain the king's response? She was too stunned to ever look. And by the time she breathed again, she had been wrapped in a queen's robe, a crown of glory placed on her head, and they were lifted high above the crowd to the cheers of all the participants. Her thoughts returned to the present. She was the queen, the great lover king's beloved. She rested in his embrace again. She felt his soft lips upon hers. His arms caressed hers ever so softly. Oh, let him kiss me again with the kisses of his lips. So there it is. I hope that brings it all together. And you know what I'm going to say next, right? I can't emphasize enough the effectiveness of saying the simple uncluttered gospel to your midbrain. Drip, drip, drip. It reflects the gospel. And when you say it aloud, you're proclaiming the gospel to that dark, murky, shadowy, largely unreached people group, your midbrain, that's scared to death of the groom coming for you experientially, right? If you're a Christian, you're already in his arms, but you just emotionally and relationally check out. It's what your brain does to protect you from getting hurt. So just listen to the simple uncluttered gospel. Let it wash over you. Let it seep in. Here it is. Jesus' follower, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. He can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something so that God would like you better. Not so. How do you experience it more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know experience and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. And remember, say it twice a day for 45 days because we're fighting a deeply entrenched habit. Uh, You can, and I would encourage you to get it in bookmark forms. Go to gospel-app.com or the podcast page gospelrant.com and purchase a pack of them. They're pretty inexpensive. Put them all over the house, workplace. Give them out to family, friends, church, visitors at your church. You'll be so glad you did. And I'm begging you to get get the word out about these last five shows on movement number four. I think it's life-changing. I think it's so relevant today with loneliness and anxiety numbers sky high. So it's for Christians who wonder if God's disappointed in them, if they'll be found out. And that's most of us, uh, if we were honest. And no doubt the Spirit has brought somebody to mind. So you know what to do. Call them. Forward it. Put it on your social media. Have coffee with them and hand it to them. This is the good stuff. And listen, follow the podcast. It's important to us. It encourages other people to listen to the show. That's how it works. If there were a thousand people who followed uh, this particular show and commented on this particular show... Well, you'd be surprised how many people would take the chance to listen to it. We'd be changing lives together. And by the way, send me comments, bill at gospel-app.com, and I will post the best on my website. Thanks to lifeaudio.com for their platform and their support. We will head into movement six next time to begin to see the after picture of the queen. Something has happened. The queen has changed. You want to know what it looks like, what it might feel like? Check it out. Take heart, child of God. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. 
I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.